Blog Talk Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and ghouls, step right up. Behind this curtain lies a ghastly concoction of delight, horror, fantasy, and terror. Your every wish is our command. Your every whimsical desire brought to life. But I'm warning you, there's always a price. Welcome to the greatest show on Welcome back, everybody, to an all-new episode of Talking Terror. I'm your old pal, the King of Horror, Andy G, welcoming you back to an all-new show. Tonight, it is my pick, and we're going to be talking about the quote-unquote documentary, The Poughkeepsie Tapes, from 2007, directed by John Eric Dowdle. So that's later on in the show, we're going to be talking about something a little less tasteful uh, than last week. We're talking about the perfection. But as always, I am joined by the bold and the beautiful, the Goldie Keith. Hello, 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 hello. What is up, everybody? What are you talking about? No idea. Welcome back to the show. Demonic Dr. Dave is in the house. Welcome back, Dave. Thank you very much. Pleasure to be here, as always, on this uh, Talking Terror program. As always, we welcome you back and always welcome your contributions to the show, as well as you as well, Ghoul. So I want to kick things off first and foremost. uh, Ghoul? I want to ask you, you did go see Free From Hell. Uh, what are some of your uh, views on the movie? Yeah, if you could keep it spoiler-free, please do. Well, no, of course. I told you I want to spoil the whole damn thing for you, man. Uh-huh. Yeah. I already know about yeah. it. So. All right. So I'm going to start this off by saying, you know, I love my AMCA list program. I really do. Mm-hmm. But. I have to say, I am not a fan of what occurs when something gets done like this, which goes through like a fathom event, because I know I go to, obviously, listen, I go to a lot of movies these days, a lot, um, on average, I think, what, I've done 15 in the last month or so, Easily. Uh, 16, yeah. if, you count, if, you, if you count three from hell now. Now, at the other 15 films, all at AMC theaters, you typically have anything from 15 minutes to 30 minutes worth of trailers prior to your movie. So let's say I go to see a 7 o'clock movie, and I've timed this, you know, I've I've checked it multiple times. You know, I remember going to see one in particular. It was like a 7 o'clock showing. The movie didn't start until 7.26. Damn, that's some bullshit. Wow. So, so, oh, I listen, um, again, it is what it is. They tell you, you know, for for the most part, always prepare for this and that. You know, you might have this, you know, trailers and all that stuff. Fine, dandy, whatever. I'm I'm used to it. I really don't mind because sometimes that means that if I'm, you know, running a little bit behind or if I'm going to get my pretzels with cheese or something, I can do so without feeling like, oh, my God, I'm going to miss the beginning of the damn movie. So we right, get right. there at 6.53 yesterday. A few minutes earlier. It depends on what theater I'm going to sometimes. That might be part of it, too, because sometimes I'm hitting the theater in Hamilton, like like last night. Sometimes I'm going to New Brunswick. I've done a couple at the Monmouth Mall now. It's not like I'm only going to Freehold or East Brunswick. Um, right, right. You're like a theatrical man of the world. 
<laughs> I, I, I'm just I'm expanding everywhere, man. You know, one of these days I'm going to do something in Pennsylvania just to say I did. Um, <laughs> but anyway, so we get there at 6:53. We get ready to go get some. You know, we get in, scan my thing, good to go. We're like, oh, you know, are we going to get like soda, popcorn, something like that? We're like, nah, maybe not. Then we're like, you know what, let's do it anyway. You know, we're fine. We got plenty of time. I don't know. Maybe we got off the popcorn line by like 7.08, 7.10. We walk into the theater, and the movie's already completely started and is about 15 minutes in. Oh, shit. So there were absolutely oh. no trailers. There was no nothing. It was just complete, like, hey, here's the fucking movie. Now, to boot, I'm going to complain about the fact that they took this movie, and maybe it's because it's a Rob Zombie movie. I don't know. The whole entire theater was pretty much sold out, I would say, except for, like, the front two rows. There were a lot of people in there. Um, But for whatever reason, they stuck it in one of, like, their smaller theaters without Mm, any kind of reclining seat whatsoever, but I can deal with that. I got no problem with that. Except for the the thing I had a problem with is here we are in this tiny little theater, and the volume was, like, way low. Like, super, super low. So low that you could hear whatever the fucking explosions were that were happening in the movie in the theater next to us, but you could almost not hear some of the dialogue going on in this film. Which, you know, there was, as a typical Rob Zombie movie, there's humorous moments. But, you know, everybody's trying to, like, laugh low because, you know, they'll say something or do something, you're laughing, and then they're saying something, and guess what? You didn't hear what the fuck they said. Um, You know, as far as the the movie itself goes, you know, like, look, I keep saying this about Rob Zombie. I think I just always go... Uh, wow, you figured it out, man. No, look, again, it's the continuation of The Devil's Rejects. It's the continuation of A House of a Thousand Corpses. I keep waiting to see this man do something that I'm going to look at and be like, this was great. Um, still waiting. <laughs> still waiting. Yeah. Yeah, you know, like, look, is it, is it a follow-up? Yes. Um, if I was to, to take the three movies and rank them, and this is just from my own personal opinion, I still go House of a Thousand Corpses first, even though that's a Texas Chainsaw ripoff, you know? Like, that's homage, whatever you want to call it. So that's the one I'm going to go with as my number one, followed by Rejects, followed by this one. So it is just one, two, and three. Um, but again, it all depends. Most people like Devil's Rejects. I know everybody's there. A lot of people are huge do, fans yeah. of that movie. I, yeah, it's weird. I was I was talking to the ghoul girl about that movie last night. It's that movie for me is like oil. I've watched this movie multiple times now, and yet I can't hold anything more than these tiny fragments of what I've seen in that film. Like I can't really remember the entirety of the movie. I can remember, you know, I can always remember the end of it. I can remember small little bits and pieces, but I can never actually remember the entire narrative of it. Whereas with Corpses, I can remember it from pretty much, you know, I can remember what happens in that film from start to finish. The one I watched last night, again, felt like a a narrative that I I can remember. But for some reason, man, something about Rejects just slides through my fingers, man. I, I just don't get what it is. 
maybe because it yeah. sucks. Oh, I don't. I don't know. I'm just being a jerk. I'm just being a jerk. Yeah, no, I mean. No, but, never. Yeah, but the thing is that you know Rob Zombie does want to do different things. I mean, he did an interview just this week where he said that he wants to do a Groucho Marx biopic. He still wants to do Groucho Bullies, the Philadelphia Flyers movie. He wants to do different things, but you know he's being pigeonholed into doing what he does best, which is do white trash art. Which unfortunately is just a photocopy of a photocopy of a photocopy at the end of the day. All of his movies are pretty much the exact same thing. And I don't know if I'd be able to see a movie about Rob Zombie doing a Groucho Marx biopic and be able to separate myself. Is this going to be a white trash Groucho Marx? Or is it going to be a serious one? I mean, if you're, if you're asking that as a question, I mean, I would assume he would approach it with the reverence that it would deserve. I don't think You'd hope so. if given if given the opportunity, I don't think he's gonna trash up a biopic. No, no. Uh King, was that an attempt at humor on your part? It was. It was my quiz. Okay, because, yeah, I feel like if Rob Zombie, if somebody's deeming him someone to make a biopic uh of somebody like Groucho Marx and, you know, biopics are uh, you know, they're like award award fodder these days. Uh, you know, I would imagine that he is obviously going to play straight. You would hope so. But um, so oh, so overall, Ghoul, the movie was basically just Devil's Rejects 2.5, which is what I've been hearing from a lot of people. Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, listen, the the, the high point of it, just like the high point of 31, was Richard Brake. He's fantastic. <laughs> I, I, I enjoy him so much. I, I want to see him do more. Um, Ghoul Girl felt the same way. Like We walked out, and she's like, I don't know what it is about that guy, what it is about that actor. There's just She's surprised. She, you don't see him in other things because he just has that magnetism and charisma about him. So. Yeah, I love him in Mandy. I mean, he was fantastic in that movie you know, as the, the drug maker. But, uh, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, his part was supposed to be Spalding at the end of the day. There wasn't supposed to be yes. a boxy character in the movie at all, but because of Sid Haig's uh, health and that being an issue, um, you know, you kind of feel bad for, for Sid, of course, you know, physically and everything like that. But when you see the movie and then you hear about him only being in the movie about five minutes, you know, you kind of feel bad because he was such a big part of those movies. And oh. Rob really couldn't uh, do much about it because of his health. So you get what you can get and, you know. I'd love to tell you he was great, but guess what? That's what I missed. I didn't see any of Spalding. We, I, we literally got, like, one quick snip of, like, a, a flashback where there was no dialogue or anything. You just saw his face for, like, two seconds, and that was, like, I don't know, closer to towards the end of the movie. So They didn't do the, uh, like the, the death row interview? If, if that happened, that happened in that 15 minutes that we missed. Ah, uh, had to have been, yeah, because I know that I put that clip up last week. On the talking terror page of uh, Sid and Spalding doing a death row interview, and they said that's pretty much it in the movie for for Spalding. Well, you, you missed it, but yeah, those sad events I've heard they're pretty tight with their times. Like if you're not there when they say the movie's gonna start, you're fucked because they don't do anything like trailers or anything like that for those because they're special events. Well, may, maybe maybe you could have given the ghoul a warning about that. I've only heard about that. I've never been to one event. I can only tell you what I've heard from other people. I mean, I can't say. I know we did. Lying. We did 31 when they did this. Uh, you know, whatever that was, okay. two, three years ago. Um, yeah. 
I don't remember that being an issue. I don't also remember if there were trailers for it or not. I mean, I would assume just like any movie theater experience, they would always give you previews of some nature, you know? <laughs> so since it's the movie theater, that's, that's still presenting the film to you. Um, but again, I digress. Whatever. We, uh, you know, aside from that, though, you know, everything else went without a hitch. You know, we had a guy two, two rows behind us who seemed to feel the need to, to explain everything in his deep baritone voice. Um, Shut the fuck up. You sure that yeah, wasn't it was one of the. It was one of those, you know. But I think everybody was just kind of like, as it was, it was so uh, quiet that nobody even wanted to disrupt it any further. Like you know, his <laughs> sentence every you know ten minutes or whatever was like, yeah, okay, thanks, dude, bye. <laughs> you know, I'm a rock zombie film expert, and this is what he's doing here. You have to appreciate Man. the nuances. Oh, no, 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 no. I think he was more along the lines of, like, a, uh, well, that was pretty stupid, like, type of deal, you know? Like, like really, not not that he wasn't enjoying the film, but it was kind of, like, stating the obvious about certain things. Like, yeah, okay. <laughs> okay. All right, so there you have it. Uh, and plus, if you didn't get to see the Padden event, Three From Hell is available on Blu-ray starting next month. So I think uh, October 15th is a release for it on Blu-ray and DVD combo with audio commentary. Oh, forward to seeing it then. Chris. So watch it then, everybody, in the comfort of your own home where you don't have to feel rushed. <laughs> <laughs> don't be late to fathom events, man. Is there any word on, uh, on a digital release? Is it, is it going to be like normal ones where the digital will be like two weeks before the uh, DVD and Blu-ray? Yeah. yeah, you're right. I forgot to mention that. Uh, I think the first week of October. Uh, it's digital, cool. and then two weeks after that, October 15th, is the uh, oh, physical guide. So I'll, I'll, I'll be looking forward to seeing the whole film. <laughs> yeah. I'll be looking I'll, forward to not purchasing the DVD. I will, only because I want to complete my collection. I actually do want to see what he did with the movie, even though I put it in the bad things, unfortunately. I tried to avoid it, but Facebook is a cruel mistress sometimes when you want to avoid spoilers and things of that nature, and I just it, couldn't avoid it. But still looking forward to seeing what the finished product looks like. And the 95-minute behind-the-scenes. Yeah, which we skipped out on. I was surprised. Again, you know, I know the movie's runtime for last night. What it showed us originally was like two hours and 20-something minutes or two hours and 40-something minutes. And I know because Tuesday, the second night, had the the behind-the-scenes thing going on with it. Um, The movie, again, was 7 o'clock. We were out the door, heading to the car by like 8:53. Um, so it was a, a tight, quick film. I, I thought it was going to be like a two-hour thing. So like, when we got out, it was like, oh, okay, that's it. Bye, see you later. We rushed out the well, fucking door before the credits even ended. <laughs> you missed the opening and then you skipped the ending. <laughs> oh yeah, no, we, we skipped any fucking behind-the-scenes stuff. That's for sure. And I would say that I'd, uh, I, I'd say, hey, you know what? When this comes out. Well, it'll be one of my picks. This way, you know, the doc has to see it. But you know what? I'm going to wait because I know the doc will just skip out that week, so I'm just going to wait for a week that I don't want him on the show anyway. <laughs> Sorry, guys. Can't make it to the show this week. Damn it. Yeah, we'll still talk about it. <laughs> yeah. Kind of like our Mandy episode where it was just me and you. <laughs> Mandy. Amanda. I named my dog Samantha. <laughs> Who's gonna watch you now? <laughs> Somebody there called me a fag. <laughs> <laughs> You're a sick buddy. You can't do that 
record anymore. Uh, it's okay. We're uncensored. It's fine. And that's a movie quote. I didn't say that. Mike Dexter did. Huh. Mike Dexter is a god. <laughs> Mike Dexter is a Dexter is a role model. <laughs> okay. So, uh, Doc, uh, do you what have anything else to talk about? In news, what is going on in the world of horror, Doc? Well, what's going on in the world in general is that uh, the the king of horror, Andy G, uh, just before our broadcast started, shared with our group a a funny meme uh, involving mm-hmm. the Spice Girls and the sweeping of the leg Cobra Kai style. Uh, as I was discussing with the ghoul yesterday and today, uh, even though it has been out there for a little bit now, I finally got around over the past two days to binge-watching Cobra Kai Season 2, a uh, YouTube-exclusive show, and I just have to fucking say that it is fucking awesome. I love I it, it so much. Yeah. It has just okay. got everything. It is funny. It is It is serious. It is nostalgic. It is tongue-in-cheek, but not... Uh, it has it has all of the things. Uh, it's just I feel uh, you know in this day and age of of reboots and remakes and configurations and all of this, it's just so much fun. Uh, they have taken the source material and expanded it and grown it and introduced all of these new characters and it's just it's so entertaining. If you are a, a fan of the Karate Kid movies uh, in the way uh, that I know we are, it's just I don't see how anyone could could really not be absolutely loving this. Season three, uh, and uh, as of now, season three is, oh, is supposed to be the final season. It was always billed as being a three-season series uh, from the mm-hmm. get-go. Uh, it will come out sometime in 2020, but if you haven't checked out season two yet, do yourself a favor. It flies by super fast. Uh, it's so entertaining. I love uh, how you say we, we've been discussing this. No, no, I have not. I, haven't, I didn't even watch the free episodes yet. But, you know, but, Doc. Let me rephrase. Just, let me rephrase. I've been, okay. I have been the goal. This is, this is what it is. You know, it's like, hey, so Cobra Kai Season 2 is up for free. Um, I might use a second YouTube account to get the free trial anyway. So then from there, you don't have anything, right, until you get – Let's see, here we go. Da, 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 da. Oh, still going. No, nothing. We're talking about Rambo. Oh, six episodes in the season two. You got to get back on the shit. It's so fucking good. I'm fucking loving it. For how, forgot how good this is. The episode is ending now. Damn, I fucking love this show. Perfect balance of serious comedy, nostalgia, etc. It's got everything. Again, That's what mind, I just this said. is a discussion. It's a discussion. <laughs> This is a good, okay, so these are, and now we, we don't hear anything again at all about this because we go on a whole Rambo tangent for a little while, and then out of oh, we'll nowhere, today, today is fucking Cobra Kai, season three, not until sometime next year, and then, you know, about an hour and a half later, dude, you gotta get on Cobra Kai season two, and then finally, we do have some discussion as we talk about the uh, the opening of Karate Kid 2, where he didn't notice that Dutch was laughing and turning around on the other side of the car. <laughs> but anyway, so I when I said that season two is up for free, 
uh, the first two episodes were, but they were only go they were for free. They were going to be releasing one episode a week uh, for the next eight weeks. And then after I had watched that second episode, I was like, fuck, I can't be like I don't want to wait eight weeks to see all this shit. So I went ahead and fucking got my shit together so I could watch it all. And uh, so now if I wait eight yeah. weeks, I'll be able to watch all the episodes, right? Yes. Okay. I'll with do ads, that. with ads, with commercials. Whatever. Yeah, I don't know. But isn't it supposed to be free anyway? Like, isn't that premium gone now from YouTube? Like, they got rid of it? No. No, no, no. There is still YouTube premium. Uh, They are not going to continue to be developing original uh, the entire first season of Cobra Kai is out for free, and they're now putting out the second season uh, for free with one episode a week. Uh, I do not know if the third season mm. is going to be a free something or if it's going to be a similar format where it comes out for a little while for premium and then they and they put it out piecemeal. So there's been zero information about that, but they're not going to be continuing the original content game. Uh, Cobra Kai was their vehicle to try and enter that forum to try and find some market share with the YouTube, with the Netflixes and Amazon Primes of the world. And, um, oh, and that's Hulu's silly. You can't go into just content. one fucking show. Right. So, well, whatever they were trying to do, like, it didn't fucking, you know, I guess it's they're, they're saying that it's something that's not going to uh, make sense for them to continue. So uh, the Cobra Kai will continue uh, with season three. Uh, they're not, you know, not going to follow through with that, thankfully. Right. And, mm-hmm. um, and yeah, so that's what's up with the with the YouTube time. Uh, I mean, the YouTube uh, I, premium. I wish they didn't change the name. You know what? I would have kept paying for it if they would have kept it as YouTube Red. Okay. Why does that name change matter? Oh no, I'm just it doesn't being an being asshole. Sarcastic. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, there you go. My joke didn't land earlier. Yours didn't land with me just now. <laughs> We're even. We're tied. One-one. <laughs> All right. Um, so, Doc, what else do you have for us in the world of horror? And now, so, it's you. Today, but now, it's you. What do you get? But uh, now, uh, today, <laughs> September 18th, and we're, we're one day away, but seven, today, September 18th this year, has been deemed officially as Rambo Day, as tomorrow uh, we see the return of one of the all-time cinema icons to the big screen with Rambo Last Blood. That's so fucking exciting. Rambo Day features many different things, uh, including an online uh, video submission Rambo imitation contest. Uh, (laughs) Bowie, Arizona. Oh, come on. Bowie, Arizona, where the Rambo's character is from, uh, has created their own Rambo Day. They said that being affiliated with the Rambo story, especially with the new movie coming, has been very exciting for their sleepy little town in Arizona. And there's going to be many events and contests in many different places. Uh, at Lincoln Center in New York City, uh, Sylvester Stallone and the cast will be present at an official screening. And there is also going to be some contests where fans, lucky fans, can win the opportunity to attend a screening and sit with Sylvester Stallone uh, in New York City, Baltimore, and Chicago as uh, Sylvester Stallone is going to be on a whirlwind of openings and promotion. Uh, with this movie opening t- 
tomorrow. Uh, it's really funny to me, as one who uh, has been following the, the Rambo story and obviously Sylvester Stallone's career very closely, uh, when Rambo, the previous film, the fourth entry, came out, uh, there was no hoopla like this. Uh, it just, you know, everyone knew it was coming to a lot of people. It was a big joke. Um, yep. Similarly, we were when uh, oh, we, well, we <laughs> were excited as fans. Yeah. But the general mainstream consensus was like, oh, how old is fucking Sylvester Stallone now? He's still playing Rambo. Ha <laughs> ha. Uh, you know, similarly to people, how people felt about Rocky Balboa. For some reason, like the tide has turned, and everyone is excited about this now. One of the things that I don't I don't know how much of a main side I don't look at the fucking budgets and, and how much money the previous Rambo film made, but as far as its violence, the previous Rambo entry was fucking brutal. It was fucking blood and guts and brains fucking bonanza. Um, I know that I know we're going to be talking about this when we do our, our retrospective of these movies yep. uh, coming up soon. But I just have to say. You know, being that I just watched all four of these films over the last three days, literally just before getting on the air tonight, finishing up Rambo from, you know, a couple years ago. Uh, what was that, 2008? 2000 yeah, 2008. 2008. I think it was 2008. Okay. Talk about a stark, stark Dark difference in fucking violence as far as what they actually show going on in that movie. It is fucking absurd and it is fucking wonderful. I know. And so there's all this fucking mainstream hoopla, and I think people don't fucking realize because everything that I've been reading and following Stallone's Instagram and he's been he's been and it's, and it's him using his Instagram. He's been extremely active with posting behind-the-scenes stuff and uh, little clips of things as they talk through scenes on location uh, and everything. From what I understand, this is going to be another fucking blood and guts fest similar to the to the previous entry. I think people, like, there's all this excitement in the mainstream media, and I think people just walk into this fucking movie and, and not think what the fuck is going uh, to fucking hit them. Dude, well, it'd be so giddy. I can't wait. I've got my ticket for tomorrow night, dude. Seven o'clock. I'm so fucking excited. And, and you know I'm what? Looking, Listen, I'm, I'm, I'm 2008 like, movie I made a lot of money. No, I, I know, I know. It was a hit, but like everyone was like, "Oh my god, the violence!" Um, now I'm trying. I'm still. I have to look out at a couple of showtimes at movie theaters in the East Bay near my hockey rink. My hockey rink. My hockey game tomorrow is at 8.30, which puts me, like, in the most terrible position to see a showing before it and a terrible position to see a showing after it, uh, given how the game schedule is usually running and getting out of there. So I ought to check and see if there's any wow. theaters near my rink in the East Bay because I'll go right from the fucking game. Uh, when I saw Halloween 2018, it worked out perfectly that the theater I passed on the way home had a showtime that was starting, like, right when I got there. It was perfect. Uh, it's not a perfect timing for me to see it tomorrow, but I'm trying to make it work. Uh, if not, unfortunately, I'm not going to be able to see it until Saturday. Um, but I just, I can't, I'm so fucking excited. I can't fucking wait. Uh, well, you take it yeah. back, okay? So I, I said that the 2008 movie made a lot of money. Um, it actually, okay, so the budget was $50 million for it. It made $113 mil, little over double the budget, which, you know, look, is that considered successful? For some companies, yes. 
uh, for this particular franchise, though, Rambo, First Blood Part 2, cost $25 million to make in 1984, and it made $300 million in 1985. I hear what you're saying, and that's going back uh, you know, over 30 years. It was a different time for those kind of films. I think I see you know, something like Rambo now for a new movie, it's kind of like a niche market, man. I, I don't see it as like, this is not, we're not talking like mainstream blockbuster success uh, type film. Uh, that's what they were mm-hmm. able to do uh, with like the Creed films and, and Stallone's other parallel running franchise was create another fucking blockbuster. Rambo, with the, especially with the level of violence and what he's going for now, it's not, it, this is not this big time mainstream cinema. I would imagine that oh, double no, no, the budget... No, is a success. I don't see I that there's going to... Oh, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, I think also the bigger thing that you got to remember with Rambo First Blood Part 2, because, I mean, First Blood Part 1 made, made money, but it wasn't anywhere near what you saw with First Blood Part 2, which was Rambo. No, no, um, no, no, no. You were talking about him also coming off of the success of Rocky 3, you were Rocky 4, you were talking Sylvester Stallone in his... Like, I don't know, I would say probably his peak as far as, you know, what what he was making at that point, man, for like that, yeah, that first movie anyway. Yes. Without a doubt. And just Rambo, like, this is not something that you, I don't, I don't even really think for the most part that, like, a younger audience even knows what this is. Like, Rambo was so fucking humongous after First Blood Part Two. There was a fucking, there was a fucking cartoon. Save it for the like show, man. Save it for the show. Yeah, right. Okay, I have to guys. I'm fucking all right. So moving from Rambo, I just want to report on Rambo, baby. You want to tune in when we do our when we do our Rambo retrospective. Yep. Then you'll we're hear also, the fucking fucking Rambo. We're counting our thoughts. We are counting counting our discussion. Uh, tune in for our Rambo retrospective. Uh, which uh, we will have a big announcement about uh, airtime uh, hopefully later this evening. Well, and also to, to bring up Rambo one more time, I did post the Red Band trailer on the fucking terror page earlier this week, and they it. don't hold back. Yeah. They do not hold back. Yeah. So um, if you want to see what's going to be meeting you for Rambo Last Blood, watch some of the action set pieces. They are not holding back from the blood. That's the one highlight for Rambo. I'm avoiding the shit out of that, dude. You know what? I've seen too yeah, many man. Red Band trailers over the last year or so that have literally just, like, shown so many, like, what I would feel are, like, shocking or poignant moments in a film that, you know mm-hmm. what? I don't want to see it. I don't want any of this ruined. I saw the basic trailers. I'm completely good with them. When I see this fucking glorious violence, when I see this juicy, juicy blood and fucking nastiness, I want it to be for the first time, man. Yeah, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. So, sorry, I didn't mean to get on such a long tangent. I just wanted to report on the excitement of Rambo Day today. Uh, obviously, the film comes out tomorrow, and uh, the ghoul and I will be doing a Sylvester Stallone Part 2 retrospective, uh, focusing on uh, the Rambo films. Okay. So, what's next? Check out the first part of that retrospective, which is all about the Rocky movies. Yes, our first Brad uh, Rocky uh, Sylvester Stallone retrospective. I'll cover the Rocky series. Uh, check it out. You can find it on our Blog Talk uh, page, and I'm happy to share a link if anybody wants to reach out to the Instagram. Uh, so moving on, uh, Bill Skarsgård says that there is a very exciting idea for it, Chapter Three. Uh, he says that Ooh. director Andy Muschietti has shared with him some ideas for a continuation of the story. 
uh, he's not at liberty to disclose any details or if this is even something that is going to get made or has a possibility to get made, uh, but there could be more it on the horizon uh, in addition to the giant supercut that Muschietti keeps talking about. So uh, a potential for an it chapter three, uh, maybe. What do you I have not yet seen it chapter two. I haven't seen it yet in chapter two, so I don't really feel uh, comfortable commenting on whether or not I feel that there's more story here. And that there's no word if this is prequel or the future or what. So who knows what's what. Cool. Go ahead. What do you think? Oh, no. I mean, I did a lot of talking with all the Rambo stuff and everything, man. I mean, what do you think, King? Not necessary. I mean, I don't know. Like, I have not seen – that's the only reason I asked you is because you've seen It Chapter 2. I just feel like <laughs> enough's enough. I feel like enough's enough material. Like, they, they covered it, It Chapter 1, It Chapter 2. That's fine. We don't need more Pennywise. I think it's over. I think it's being time to move on to the next project. Muschietti's got his fingers in so many different King projects. I don't know why he wants to do an original It Chapter 3 movie. And he's got all these other properties to work with. Like, he just announced that he's going to be doing the jaunt which is from the Skeleton Crew, which is my favorite story from that book. So focus on those stories. Do the ones that uh, you know haven't been done yet. Don't move on with it chapter three. We don't need another one. Again, like you said, though, it chapter three would be something that was untold anyway, So and wouldn't necessarily be from King himself nope. unless it goes prequel in which it's going to take little bits and pieces of stuff from... You know, the, the little bits of history that we know of Derry from Mike Hanlon's, you know, research and whatnot throughout the book. Um, yeah, I, uh, again, because you guys haven't seen it, I'm going to have to keep my mouth shut about stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, shut the mouth fuck up. Fuck you. <laughs> I mean, the next movie they right, right, hey, theater is Joker, so that's it. We're at the two two we're at the two week mark, man. So for me, I you know I'm at the point where it's like all bets are off. You know I'll start spoiling shit left and right with it at this point. If you ain't seen it, that's your fucking fault. Oh, I don't care if you spoil it. I mean, me personally, you can. I, mean, I don't mind. But like I said, I'm just focused on seeing Joker next month. So I'm not yeah, even thinking I'm actually, about it. Too. My schedule for the most part on Saturday is free and clear of all of all things. I might even try to do a fucking double feature and see it and Rambo. You're not doing uh, five but, hours of movies. Yeah. What do you fucking? And, why, uh, why would I not? What do you fucking mean? I have no fucking plans. Nicole is going to be out of town. Like, why would I not? Because you just won't. Because I know you. <laughs> it's just not going to happen. That's why. Because you know what? Listen, the reality is this. You're going to figure out something better to do with your time than sit in a movie theater for five hours, man. <laughs> yep. Maybe. But I can't, one, one I, I, I really thoroughly enjoyed It Chapter 2, and I'm really wanting to see uh, – I mean, sorry, It Chapter 1. I'm really, it Chapter uh, 2. So, to see it, that's why I said I, 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 I. He corrected himself. Well, prepared my statement. I want to see it, and Saturday might be the time. Now I don't have any plans, and there's like nothing else going on around here that I know of that uh, would make me want to do something else. And uh, my Saturday really is going to be built around seeing Rambo first and foremost. So, um, you know, we'll see. I'm not saying that I'm going to do that, but it's something that I, it's an idea that I have tossed around. Because uh, I don't want to miss it on the big screen. I've been really trying to make a point to get out to see the movies that I want to see, and I, you know, I've been going by myself, and it's fucking fine. And I'm, you know, if I if I if I do it, I do it. But 
I don't think it's going to be, I don't think it, I think if I don't, it's not going to be because, oh, I found something better to do. Um, mm. You know, when there's days, when there's days that, uh, you know, Nicole has business out of town or something going on, uh, I usually <laughs> like to spend that time by myself doing the shit that I like to do. I, I usually don't make plans with friends or go out and do stuff. Like, I'd rather, like, fucking watch some fucking, like, stare at the fucking TV all day or play fucking video games or just have some fucking beers. Um, you know, I usually use that time to just kind of be by myself. So sitting awesome. in the movies for, for, for two movies is, is totally something that, that I, I might do. But, but we'll see what happens. But Rambo is number one priority for me cinematically. Um, so that's it, Chapter 3. And moving on to another Chapter 3, uh, Ghostbusters Well, last part is at least brisk. I just looked it up, and the runtime's an hour and 29 minutes, man. So That's pretty tight. Yeah, nice, you nice, you'd be there. It's yeah, tight. Yeah, it's a nice fucking... It's a nice, tight fucking running yeah. time, you know? Uh, but anyway, uh, Ghostbusters 3, uh, you know, there's been all this talk about Ghostbusters 3 and, you know, the original performers talking about their excitement about it, but it was only officially confirmed yesterday or today that Dan Aykroyd and Ernie Hudson are actually taking place in this film. Uh, they have confirmed. Yeah, I was shocked by that, too, because they've been talking about it so much that... Uh, I just assumed that this was going to be uh, the case, even though Sigourney Weaver and Annie Potts have already officially signed on like weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks ago. So it was interesting to hear that. And at this time, Bill Murray uh, is still, I don't want to say MIA, but he still is not, he has not talked about it and uh, he is not attached to it. And Dan Aykroyd has simply said that, that they're, they're hoping uh, that Bill Murray will, will, will take part. So, uh, that's the most recent news with the upcoming yeah. Ghostbusters 3. I was surprised by that because I put it up on the fucking terror page earlier this week where Dan Aykroyd did the Joe Rogan podcast. And he said, yeah, you know, I don't act much these days, but I'm definitely going to be in Ghostbusters uh, next year. And then Ernie Hudson said, and I was like, wait a second, didn't they say already that they were going to be a part of it? Like Annie Potts said it, and then Ernie Hudson said it. But now all of a sudden it's like, no, 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 it's official now. Like, all right, well. Like, did they think that we forgot? Yeah, I, I, I don't know. Don't know what that's all about. But anyway, uh, that's the the current current news involving three. I know we've been talking about it a lot on the show. Uh, as, as this project is starting to like really fire up, there's been a lot of a lot of news to talk about. Uh, so want to continue to update uh, as we hear things uh, that are going on. So there we have uh, Ghostbusters. Also. Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, uh, who mm-hmm. apparently has struck out in her attempts uh, to get a reboot of one of her variety hosting shows, uh, been denied by both Netflix and Shudder, uh, is going to see the light of day once again because there is going to be an Elvira uh, House of Horrors pinball machine. Cool. Okay where there is going to be a theme uh, where all of the different weird films that she has uh, television or she has hosted uh, will be incorporated into the graphics of this pinball machine. Uh, So coming out around Halloween time, uh, wherever you go to play pinball these days, I know there's many, uh, you will get a chance. Okay. Very exciting. Exciting times to be in to, to play a pinball machine. 
<laughs> and it's unfortunate she got shut down by, by Shudder, uh, by Netflix. I figured one of them would pick her up. But, yeah, I guess they both just weren't interested. I guess not. Uh, if you are a fan of the Dish Network, which I don't even know that Dish Network is still around, uh, but if you are a fan of Dish Network, Dish Network this holiday, Halloween season is going to pay one lucky fan $1,300 to watch 13 Stephen King adaptations before Halloween. With the, with the, Hell yeah. The, with the catch being they are going to provide you with a Fitbit watch so you can track your heart rate at the <laughs> tense and scary scenes and mm. share all of your heart rate and feelings and thoughts as you watched all 13 of these films. So one fan is... Including Gallum's Pet Cemetery, The Shining, and others. Okay. Maybe that well, fan could be you if you're looking to make thirteen hundred bucks. I am, and I would sit through that, but I would feel bad that my heart rate doesn't go up during any of those movies. Uh, <laughs> Is he dead? I don't believe. You, 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 I don't believe you might not know what they're rate. looking for. Yeah, I don't think we are. I think they want <laughs> the uninitiated. The These are not the nerds you're looking for. <laughs> yeah, I know. They don't want us. I mean, is this fucking movie over yet? I got like 12 more to go through. <laughs> and finally, uh, Jamie Lee Curtis <clears throat> has had a lot to talk about uh, in the most recent past involving <clears throat> the upcoming Halloween sequels that are hmm. going to be filmed back to back for releasing consecutive years. And she has said that. The first of these sequels, uh, while she is super pleased with how uh, David Gordon Green and Danny McBride uh, connected many dots from the original film to their 2018 film, she said that the first of these sequels is going to be a truly deep dive into the original 1978 film, uh, and that is the reason for Uh, all of the news lately of all of the original characters that are being brought back as this film is going to look to be exploring uh, the lives and things that are characters since that fateful evening in 1978. Uh, So it'll be interesting to see how they approach that. Uh, I, for one, of course, am looking forward to these. And then, yes, I know there was the talk about uh, an exploration of violence, and she did say that uh, this looking at the violence is going to be something that will be uh, in the second sequel. Yeah, she did say that. And she also said that the finale of Halloween Ends is going to be sensational. That's how she well, claims so. it. Uh, huh. uh, yeah, you hope so. But you also kind of hoped that during Halloween 2018 that they were going to have an ultimate sensational ending, and they didn't. So... Ah, it's hard. It's it's all about that. I love Michael Myers, and this is just difficult for me to swallow. You know, I don't want to get too much of my soapbox about it, but it's like, fuck, dude. Like, I don't want to hear all this. Like, I don't want to think. I don't want you know about how sensational the ending is going to be. It's going to be just another ending to horror film. 
They said the same thing in 1998 with Halloween H2O. This is the end. Laurie's going to kill him, and we're going to be done. But no, 2002's Resurrection came out. I have to say, man, H2O, I have to say, uh, that movie has aged horribly. It has. Oh, my God. It is so 90s. It's just so hard. <laughs> hey, here's a fucking, here's a shocker for you guys. H2O sucked in 1998. It sucked. Sucks now. <laughs> oh, I wasn't a fan of it. I nope. wasn't a fan of it then, and viewed it as a huge letdown. Uh, but yep. it was on, uh, I don't know if it was on, I don't know, it was on like AMC or, or the Paramount. It was on some channel sometime within the last month or two, and I watched like about 25 minutes or so. Uh, toward, yeah. Towards the beginning, as we're getting to know the characters, oh, we see Jamie Lee Curtis like sneaking extra wine <laughs> in the restaurant and all of this. Yeah. And then I, later on, I flipped back to it when you know Michael Myers was on the prowl in the school and everything. And man, is that movie fucking sucked out even then. But just from a from a from a story standpoint, it sucks. But like looking at it from a, like as just a movie, it fucking sucks as a fucking created fucking film. <laughs> Which is worse to you guys, though? Resurrection or Halloween H2O? Well, they both suck. Well, did we not see Resurrection in the theater together? No. No. No, no. God, no. Fuck no. Dude, the last... Uh, no. I saw Halloween H... No. Fuck no, I did not. I saw H2O in the theaters, and I hated that fucking movie. Um mm-hmm. Did we watch it together in your basement or something? I feel like I saw that with somebody, and I feel like the only person I would have watched that with is you. Wouldn't have been in my basement. I was living in Manalapan at that time, man. It was 2002 when Resurrection came out. Oh, yeah. Hmm. And also, like you said, know, I know H2O was definitely in the theater, definitely a disappointment, Uh, definitely was not going to see Resurrection. I thought that was just retarded. I'm um, sorry, didn't mean to insult anybody with that, but you know, no. I am an '80s kid. Um, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, that's uh, so that's pretty much how I how I felt with that. I I've avoided all Halloween's in theater, including uh, I don't think I saw Zombies in the theater either. I think I saw that when it finally came out on like DVD or whatever. That we might have watched at my house. No, yeah, I, I watched see- that by myself. No, I remember like I rented it and watched that movie. Uh, by myself. I know I watched that one alone. For some reason, I just feel like I saw Resurrection. I, I don't remember if I saw it in the theater or not. I was thinking that we saw I feel like I saw that with you, but, but I could be wrong. It doesn't matter. But anyway, uh, you know, so that's the news that Jamie Lee Curtis is sharing. Uh, these films, uh, I think the, fir- they, the first one started filming today, I think. So that will be, uh, that will be on, on the way. And, uh, you know, not a news item per se, but I hope that everybody will get the opportunity to check out the, uh, the first episode of Creep Show, uh, because that is going to air before our next episode. Uh, I think it comes out Monday the 23rd. Um, yes, it does. But, you know, so I know that I will be watching it, and I don't know if you guys will, but I'm looking forward to, to watching it and seeing what you guys think. So uh, that about... Uh, covers it for what I have uh, to talk about uh, for the news section of the Talking Terror podcast program. Okay. That all being said and done, I will definitely be checking out Creepshow because I do have Shudder, as it is a Shudder exclusive. Um, So for those of you listening, you know, understand that if you do want to watch it, you need to have Shudder. 
and Shutter is available through multiple parties. I personally oh, yeah. have it through Amazon Prime. Um, it's a free trial. That all being that all being said and done, I know that I am excited, and uh, you're done with your news, so I actually have some things to talk about. God, yeah. Right. I'm, I'm listen, I'm just trying to avoid the fucking Poughkeepsie tapes as much as I can, okay? Um, so who's, who's, who's excited? Who's excited for American Horror Story 1984? I am. I can't wait to watch it. I've been watched a season since Hotel, uh, so. I am looking forward to making my triumphant return uh, to American Horror Story. Uh, it premieres I think tonight, it's be great. So 10 o'clock. Yeah, I'm, oh, I'm not going to watch it because we're going to be on air, but I'll catch it in the rerun. I can't I wait. I am not going to be so, I'm going to watch it while yeah. we're on the air. I just, I'm going to give you guys play-by-play play as it's fucking happening. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm sorry that you're so disappointed by the movie tonight, but either way. Yeah, it's it's exciting. You know, they're not doing what they're doing with 84. Has anybody you know, caught uh, Marianne on Netflix yet? Nope. No. And I actually just read about Marianne for the first time today and made a note. So <clears throat> I will be checking that out. <laughs> not interested. I'm trying to find something here, man. What did, what did the <laughs> you try to find something here? Spice Girls before? Wait, yeah, so, the Cobra Kai meme. So, cool. Are you really are you really trying to extend? Do you want more news? Because I have more stuff that we can talk about. <laughs> please, please do. You know what I'm realizing though, unfortunately. You know what? As excited as I am for fucking American Horror Story, you know I'm not going to actually be able to watch it until they put it on the fucking streaming service because I don't get AMC. I forget we don't have AMC with Hulu. American Horror Story is on FX, FX Channel, oh, or something like that. It's not I'm, American. Oh, then, then I'm excited, and it's, I'm going to pull out my like willy that. because I do have FX. Yeah, I think it's like, yeah, it's not, it's not AMC. That's the FX channel, I think. Oh, it's definitely not AMC. Correct. Thank you, sir. Yeah. You're welcome. All right, no, I, don't, I, I do have some other items that I so I had made a giant list of all of my notes today, and then I had to take a, a, a I'm in the car right now. I had to take a, a drive after work. And I still haven't gotten home, and I was, and I know I was going to do the show from the car, and realized that I left my gigantic page of notes on my desk at work, uh, so I had to like go from fucking memory, and uh, you know I made some fucking notes when I was sitting in the fucking bumper to bumper shop. That's why I'm not home yet. Uh, all alone in the moonlight. But anyway, uh, I'm sure that the king of horror is just fucking out of his fucking mind to talk about this movie right now. Um, no, I, uh, okay. that was ever since the ghoul took the okay. out of my sales. <laughs> oh, okay, fine. So, uh, M. Night Shyamalan has announced uh, that he has signed a two-picture deal with Universal. Uh, he said with Universal because he believes that they truly are into uh, bringing original content to the screen, and uh, he is going to have uh, two original thrillers uh, that he is going to both write and direct uh, that are going to be released in 2021 and either 2022 and 2023. February for both. February of 2021 and February of 2023. Uh, he has given no details about what these are going to be other than he will be writing and directing. So there's the uh, current uh, upcoming news from uh, M. Night Shyamalan. So more from him. Still haven't seen Glass yet, so... All right, let's get to this Poughkeepsie tapes. 
I'll be perfectly honest. All right, let's fucking do it. Let's get it over with. I know know you said M. Night Shyamalan. That's about all I heard you say because I was so busy trying to figure out how to get my freaking DVR thing going here. So I wasn't even paying attention to what you were saying anyway. So let's get into the movie because you know what? At least I know what I'm talking about with that. So, King, take it away. The Poughkeepsie tapes. Let's do it. All right, King of this is yours. And, you know, I did not mean to take the wind out of your sails. I always want no, to be the wind that. beneath your wings. You are. You're the candle in the wind to me, always. Uh, but I actually talked about this with the monkey last night, and I said, you know what? If the movie doesn't land, if the, I talked Ooh. to the monkey last night, even though he's not a part of the podcast Ooh. for right now until October, I did talk to him last night about the movie, and I said, if it doesn't land, you know, at least we could have some conversations about serial killers, because that's always a good subject to talk about. So whether or not the movie's good, I think that is there's good conversations to be had about killers, and their motivations and why they do what they do. Uh, so we might get into that during the movie because to, to just bring out the conversation because whether or not the movie's good. Uh, but the Poughkeepsie Tapes is about a killer in Poughkeepsie who also goes into Pennsylvania uh, killing victims. Police raid his home and they find over 800 VHS tapes that detail his murders and tortures and killings of different victims. This faux documentary focuses mainly on one of his victims named Cheryl Dempsey, who became his slave uh, to his master character, and it devolves into what essentially becomes of her and everything else about the impact of falsifying somebody as a killer, what goes on through there. Uh, so there's different things to talk about with the Kipps tapes. I actually watched this uh, in 2010, I want to say, because it was a bootleg copy. Because in 2007, the movie was supposed to come out, MGM was behind it, they decided to pull all their funding behind it because they just didn't like the controversy behind the material, so it got shelved, and you couldn't watch it. You couldn't go to the theater to watch it. Uh, DirecTV sometime in 2010 had it, and then 2017, finally, you could buy a copy of the Kimchi Tapes on Blu-ray, courtesy of Scream Factory. But it was one of those underground movies that you couldn't see, so everybody wanted to see it but couldn't find a way to see it. They finally had a way through bootleg and now officially through a, a Blu-ray. Um, and I, I like it. There's a lot of good moments in the movie that are, are got some good tension. Um, not necessarily a gore movie, so if you're looking for gore, it's not really there. But uh, there's a lot of good tension. Uh, but cool, I know you didn't like it, but what do you think about the Gibson Tapes? <laughs> oh, sorry. I didn't mean to give you the, the notion that I didn't like it. Um... I look, man, you know what? I'm not a big fan of real-life documentaries. Uh, mm-hmm. If you ever want to put me to sleep, that, that's what you put on. Um, a documentary has to be about something that I am, like, 100%, like, like into, into, and that is just so, so rare that it's ever done in a, or presented in a way that I find entertaining. Um, that being said, I do watch plenty of, uh, whatever that damn channel is, Google girl watches all the time about fucking killing ID people, people dying. ID Discovery, yes, indeed, thank you, the ID channel. Um, yeah. so, you know, like, they, they found ways to present things, I feel like, are more of a narrative base than just a standard documentary, um, and I feel like this kind of tries to, like, traipse that little bit of a, a little bit of a line where it, it kind of falls back and forth through, like, a doc versus a little bit of, like, a, an actual narrative at times. Look, it was, it was good for what it is, man. You know, I, uh, I don't understand how it got 
put through so much hell just to get released. I almost feel like you right. know, that probably lent more towards the towards the, the the notoriety of the film than anything else. It probably did more good for it than than it did bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right, uh, Doc. What do you think about Kipsy tapes? All right, so. You know, I I didn't until I read up. I didn't know exactly, uh, you know, what the the story was completely. Um, I know that uh, that it was some, a project that was shelved. I didn't know like the reasons why or or whatnot. Um, but there was this movie, The Poughkeepsie Tapes, and it was not available, and people wanted to see it. Like I knew all of that stuff, but I didn't really truly know uh like the backstory uh that much and uh you know it's something that i remember when it came out on the the uh, when it became available and you know people were excited oh we're gonna get to watch the poughkeepsie tapes and i remember thinking oh i want to see it i didn't really know anything about it but oh if they're they didn't want to put it out and now it's out no oh maybe there's something there so anyway uh I'm a fan of the the documentary style film, and I'm not talking about like documentaries, like those I, you know, they're like similar similarly to uh, the 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 ghoul. That's something that uh, you know I have to be really interested in the topic, and then I like documentaries. But I am a fan of a big fan of the I guess you could call it the mockumentary uh, type of filmmaking. Uh, I am a humongous fan of all of the Christopher Guest films. Uh, I am. Uh, I, I love Spinal Tap, um, and one of my all-time favorite ones uh, is called Fear of a Black Hat, and they all have the same kind of format with, like, interview clips and cutaways mixed with action. It, it filmed exactly in this style that the Poughkeepsie Tapes was. Uh, unfortunately, uh, that style for this content uh, didn't really connect for me. Uh, as a fan of that style of filmmaking, because I view uh, that type of filmmaking that works really good for comedy. Um, you know, I didn't really find that to be the case here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and, and I do love Christopher Guest as well, so I get what you're talking about. But with the Poughkeepsie tapes, you know, it, it, it's not like it's not been done before, um, the fake documentary style about serial killers, because there was a movie back in the 90s called Man Bites Dog, which was a horror comedy, but it was shot like a documentary following the serial killer. Um, and, and it's good. I mean, it's, it's got some funny moments, but ultimately it's about following the serial killer and how he picks his victims and how he kills them. Um, the Rise of Leslie Vernon uh, did the exact same kind of thing, even though that was more yeah, theatrical. Yeah, i I seen that one. Yeah. But with Kipsy Tapes, you know, you're getting this perspective of this fake documentary about a killer that recorded all of his uh, murders and tortures and, and everything that he did in between. Um, at the time, a lot of people said that this movie was based on Kendall Dubois, who was a killer in Poughkeepsie and upstate New York at the time. But to me, it's more so Leonard Lake and uh, Charles E. Because both of them, they were ten killers back in the late 80s, early 90s, and they did videotape their killers and their tortures of which. And some of that's been made accessible to the public, and it is disturbing to watch, knowing that this isn't fake. This is actually happening to this woman, uh, and it's hard to watch. And that's what I felt like the Poughkeepsie Tapes is really trying to show you, is that there's a killer, and he has access to a camera, and they're showing you these tapes. Uh, like the scene with, 
trying to remember his name. Oh, it was Simon Allray, who documented all the tapes. And he's in the mausoleum. And they have this whole line of tapes. And he's like, yeah, this is the half uh, that we documented. But all of this is about Cheryl Dempsey. So for some reason, he was just transfixed on his one victim, uh, like killers might be. But that's what I felt so fascinating about, is that they had all these tapes just dedicated to one victim. Yeah, well, he had that. He had the missing tapes. And, and all. I think that is what really... I guess maybe it's what irks me the most about the film is that mm-hmm. I wanted to see less more of tapes. the... I want to, Exactly. I wanted to see more of the tapes. I wanted to see more of what this killer was about, especially being that we're talking about a fictionalized person here. So, you know, they go on and on about how he's this and how he's that, and he's really smart. But ultimately, we really only see, like, three or four of the things that he ends up doing, and even that is just, you know, just barely, man. It is, you know, it's like they're, they're giving you taste of these tapes because they, they do kind of do the whole thing of less is more, you know, with Alway who markets the tapes or marks down the tapes and he said they couldn't sleep for days and his girlfriend watched one of the tapes and she wouldn't touch him for the longest time. So it's like they're trying to, a year. you know, they're trying to give you the impression that these tapes are bad without actually having to show you. Listen, a movie did that in the 90s called fucking Blair Witch, okay? In which they gave you this idea that you were going to see all of this stuff and you were going to see all of this shit that happens to these kids. And ultimately, you saw it. Okay? You saw a dude standing with his face against the wall and fucking that was it. You saw a snotty little bitch crying and whining into the camera, man. Um... Again, well, I that, like that movie certain aspects. That's what made that movie so great was the marketing. Well, of the course. No, look, I, I, I get what Blair Witch did, and I've said that a billion, zillion times, man. I respect them for the, what they pulled off, man. They pulled off the fucking the, the genius heist right there, you know? <laughs> Josh! Josh! Ah, ooh, <laughs> Mom! I love you! Um, yeah, no, it's this, it, though, it's again, I, I would have liked though. to have seen more. You know, we have them talking about how, like, oh, well, this guy did this. And, you know, you think that you're dealing with somebody that's so so rudimentary that, like, you know, that, that he's never done this before. But then they go on about talking about what a genius he is and that he's actually doing all of this on purpose. Like, it just makes me – and maybe if that's what they were trying to do, they were trying to, to, to throw that out there and tease me to get me to want to see more about the serial killer. Well, they did that. They succeeded with that. But all it did was piss me off because I'm not getting anything more about this guy. Well, and I actually, the one the one bit of the video that I actually did like was Jennifer Gorman, you know, is this eight-year-old girl, and he, the killer approaches her, and he's just talking to her as she's playing outside, and he's like, you know, hey, you know, uh, you know you're playing with your toys, I like your toys, and for some reason, it, I like the tension of the scene, because it works so well, because she seems so genuinely disinterested in him, and he seemed interested in her. And then when you get the hit where he nails her and then drags her into the car, and that's it. You don't need to see anymore because they tell you what he did to her. But at the same time, it, to me, it was effective in how they presented it. Like, you're seeing an eight-year-old girl being abducted in real time on a videotape. <clears throat> so, like I said, it just it was a great, you know, little effective attention. Yeah, that kind of sucked, though, also, man. I mean, at the moment, uh, I think it was last night oh, yeah. that it came yep. through. We've got a, an Amber Alert going yeah. on. Uh, yep. People are looking for a red more. van. 
but it's the same thing of, of they're they're doing it, but in a way like this does happen. Like this isn't like you know make believe. <clears throat> you know, killers do go after young girls, and they go after you know teenagers and adults as well. Um, and it's like I talked about on the show not that long ago, where I said, you know, how many times have you driven past a house or walked past a house, and you kind of wonder, what if there's somebody in that basement, chained up against their will, being tortured? Like you know, it's kind of a, a I, chilling. I used to. I used to think that every time I would go to the ghoul's house when he lived in the basement, when I would, like, knock on the window, I'd be like, oh, God, what the fuck's going on down there? <laughs> Give me a second. Clean it up down here. Sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I try not to think of those things simply because, you know, I can't drive around with a boner all day, you know? <laughs> you know, thinking about joining Castro. And now he's just railing around. Never talking to before. The day, but... <laughs> yeah. um, but they they do they cut with um, the retired FBI agent Mike Mokes, um, you know, teaching this class of, of profilers and saying, you know, this isn't for everybody. Like it's you know, if it's not for you, it's not for you, and I don't blame you. And back when I was in high school, I wanted to be an FBI profiler myself because I just I was so fascinated with serial killers and why they do what they did. Um, and to present it in the way that they did, where some of the class, they're affected by what they've seen. Um, when the killer abducts the couple, uh, the Andersons, you know, in their car, where he's like, oh, the gas station's right down the road. It's fine. You know, we'll just we'll, we'll go down there, and it's cool. You could be my movie. You could be like movie stars. And he ends up knocking out the husband behind the wheel and chloroforming the wife and sadistically cutting her open and putting her husband's head in her stomach. And they do show it, and I kind of appreciated that because, you know, you need a little bit of gore in this movie, and I thought that was kind of one of the centerpieces, the fact that he's sucking her up into his stomach. I liked it a lot. It was great. Like, I was, it was an effective little shot that it's one of the – but also it's one of those if you blink and you'll miss it type uh, sequences where I actually had to go back mm-hmm. and rewind it. And I was like, what? I was like, oh, shit, the fucking head's in her stomach. You know, and she's alive. His head is in her stomach. God, you know, all he needed to do was find the bean, you know, find the little rough spot. It's only about an inch in. I mean, he really didn't need to go that deep. (laughs) No, he went all in. Um, But the one thing that they don't really explore in the movie is, is his fascination with Cheryl Dempsey. Like, there's so many tapes all about Cheryl. But there was no real kind of fascination with her other than he kind of followed her at some point, you know, and ended up going into the parents' home of Cheryl and stalking her when she was home with her boyfriend, Tim. But there was no, like, I followed her for weeks. Like, they don't really give a time frame as far as how long he stalked her before he made her a victim. Well, what we do know is he's got a lot of tapes for her. There many that, tapes you know, worth of time. Yes, yeah. and that it was, you know, obviously all about his control and domination and, you know, being able to actually make somebody else kill, um, you know, little things yeah. like that. Now, now here's a quick question that I, uh, I thought it was kind of funny, because if I remembered right, he gets picked up, and I'm only going by what they show on their little uh, little image poster board, so I could probably be totally wrong here. But on their little poster board, they talk about how that couple was driving from Pittsburgh, heading yeah. back to Poughkeepsie or wherever they were, in their station wagon. Mm-hmm. 
Now, we show the scene of him at the gas station giving the clues in sign language to where right. the bodies are going to be buried while he's gassing up a station wagon. Mm-hmm. But then they say yeah. that he did that prior to him even meeting them. So right. now, are you telling me that he had his own station wagon and then took their station wagon? And this is well, the station to, wagon, like... Well, he had to be broken down inside of the road. He said his car broke down. And he needed to go get gas for it. And that's why they picked him up in the first place. So he had his own car. It was all gassed up. But he told them that it broke down. He needed to get gas. And that's why the, the one FBI guy, uh, I can't remember his name, but he says that there was an abandoned gas station that the killer knew was closed. But there was also others that they could have stopped at. But he already knew ahead of time that he was doing this. That's why he signed his signature, you know, murder, Red House. Because he already knew what he was going to do. He just had to go do it. Mm-hmm. So that was the whole point of that, is that, you know, he had to look like a victim on the side of the road. And that, you know, if he's just hitchhiking, you know, we're going to think, I'm not picking that guy up. <laughs> you know, but obviously this guy looks nondescript enough where you would pick him up, you know, if he had trouble. Like, oh, man, like, if you could just give me a ride to the gas station, I'd really appreciate it. You know, so it's enough for them to let him in the car. You know, he doesn't look like some I'm maniac. A I'm a victim on the side of the road. <laughs> yeah. He's not John Ryder from the history. Mm. You know, they obviously want to pick him up. <laughs> so that's what I took from that. Um, <clears throat> but what I do like is that they do show you the abduction of Cheryl from her home uh, after he kills Tim and then moves on to her. Again, it's a scene I really liked because all of a sudden Cheryl walks into the room and she sees it and he's chasing after her POV style. For some reason, it just hit with me because you can put yourself in that type of situation. Like you're home, you know, you're with your per- you know, you're with your boyfriend, girlfriend, or whatever like that, and all of a sudden you see this guy wearing a mask and now he's chasing after you. Like, really, you can all put yourself in that situation. I can never put yeah. myself in that situation. I could. That's because I'm a fucked up person. <laughs> and, you know, I could, I could definitely see that. I mean, I, you know, I, you know, I think about that all the time. What if I'm sleeping? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I was I was dealing with my dog. What did, what did you say you could do? Uh, when he Cheryl pictures gets himself with his girlfriend getting chased through his house by someone wearing a mask. Like when she realizes that her boyfriend's been taken out and now a killer's chasing after her. I just like the way that they showed that uh, on the tape because it is a tension sequence. Like to me, that works for me. You know, the fact that she did look afraid. She didn't look like she was acting. It looked like she was genuinely afraid of this person coming down upon her to take her away. Well, she was acting. She's an actress. But it didn't It didn't seem like acting. Like, it seemed like she was genuinely terrified of this person that was coming to get her. So kudos to the actress that played Cheryl Dempsey. That's what my point was. Yes, the actress who played Cheryl Dempsey is actually, uh, you know, it's funny. The last name is Stacy you know, Chabosky. Um, how do you spell Wajikowski Chibos- first... anyway? Wajikowakowitz. Wajikowakowitz. It's in the book. Um, you know, it's funny. I actually know... I know her, but not because of anything she did. It, like, I ended up catching her and something her husband did. Her husband is the author and director of one of my favorite movies, The Perks of Being a Wallflower. Um, That's a good movie. Fantastic like movie. film. 
And uh, oh, you and just I, saw that I'm not sorry, that's the first not, time, right? That's not her. Uh, that's not her husband. I'm sorry, it's her brother. My bad. But uh, okay. Her husband is actually the director of this movie. Um, but, yes, that's her brother, and that's how I know her. Yeah, I saw that for the, the first time a couple months ago. So It is a, a, a really good movie. I actually do like that movie. Yeah, John Eric Dowd, who directed this movie, he went on and he found actual success with uh, Wreck, with Jennifer Carpenter, which is a found footage movie. And he works a lot in found footage because he also did one of the famous found footage movies, uh, As Above, So Below, which is one of my favorite found footage yeah. movies. Um, so he, he, he found his niche and he likes it there. So that's where he's going to stay, I guess. So mind He it. did that elevator um, movie based off of uh, a night story called uh, devil. And then he also did a movie, uh, no escape, which was like an Owen Wilson action flick where okay, him and his that. family are like in like Thailand or some shit. Um, he works for like some company and there's some political coup that goes on. And yeah, it's, it's all kinds of like just silly, you know, American family trying to escape out of like foreign country and they just need to make it to like this location. And when I mean mm. like silly fun, I'm talking like, you know, you're talking about kids being thrown off of like the roof to another roof type of deal. Like it gets, it gets out there. Okay. Yeah. Isn't I've heard no of escape. Minutes. Wasn't no escape a movie with Ray Liotta where he's in like a, he's like a prisoner in like a, in like a like a some type of dangerous like secret military prison. It was like, a, it was like a, fut- a futuristic type of thing. Yeah, you know what? Actually, now that you say that, yes, yes, indeed. Uh, no yeah, escape? but no, this that is also called No Escape. But this is two thousand. The one I'm talking about is 2015's No Escape. But I know exactly what movie you're talking about there. Yeah. No, I haven't seen that one either. Uh, I guess there's more movies I have to check out. Um, but yeah, no, I, I like that. I like that. Nineteen ninety four movie. And like you said, he did Devil. I liked that movie until the end. I felt like the third act was pretty bad. But uh, overall, it's not a bad movie. It's a movie that I like. Isn't the kid from uh, Isn't the kid from Super Troopers in that movie? Which one? The weird fucking kid that, I... gets, that eats all the mushrooms, and then they make him like the shooting target at the end. He's a devil. I know that. Oh, it's that's devil. what I mean. He's in the yeah. movie Devil. Yes, he is. He's also married to Christina Hendricks from uh, Mad Men. Who? I don't know who that Christina is. Christina Hendricks from Mad Men. I don't like Mad Men. I don't know who that is. Okay. I don't know who that is. Obviously, it was an out of the league type of thing, but you know, he is married to her. She was also in Drive with Ryan Gosling, a ton of other movies. She was in uh, Strangers Pray at Night. I know that's a movie we covered on the show, but you guys weren't there for that one. That was just me and Monkey. But yeah, she was in that movie as well, playing the uh, the mother. But yeah, he's married to her in her life. Um, but going back to the movie, uh, they talk about Cheryl's abduction, how she was taken from the home, and then they find Tim's body. Uh, Edward Cumming, who was the police officer on the scene, said that Tim's head was crushed. Uh, he had a cut from his anus to his throat. His intestines were pulled out like Christmas tree lights, and his balls were put into the sock drawer in the master bedroom. Tis I was season. like, you know what? Kind of would have loved to have seen the crime scene photos. <laughs> like, you know. I like the description, but I would have loved to have seen photos of just this mess of a body. Uh, like the ghoul had said earlier, the killer is trying to throw off the FBI, throw off the police by changing his MO, by confusing them because they think he's one type of killer, but now all of a sudden he's a killer that just throws body parts everywhere, which you would think a killer would do. 
I just think it gets kind of silly, man. I mean, look, this guy thinks he's like the fucking super serial killer, and he's like, I don't know, maybe it's the fact that most of these guys that are, you know, supposed to be the FBI profilers and the... Ooh, excuse me, see, thinking about it made me yawn. Um, you know, the specialists. <laughs> Put you right stuff, to sleep. You know? Puts me right to sleep, man. But, uh, like, they just weren't believable. Um, you know, I just, I, I, I felt like most of them were coming off as silly, and I could not figure out if that was intentional comedy or just bad acting. What, the fact that he was throwing them off? You know, by doing this uh, massive kind of mutilation scene? No, I mean the performances of the people in question. Well, yeah, I mean, it's one of those things where it's a. I give them kind of credence, though, because it's a, a fake documentary. So I'm not looking for solid acting because you wouldn't think that they would be. Um, you know, yeah, like but I've Gorman, seen a lot of those same things on the IT yeah. channel and those people don't perform that way. They don't talk that way. Like, you know, like just some of the, the mannerisms and the behaviors oh, yeah. and the, yeah. the phrasing that they use, it just felt like these people like had never actually spoke or discussed any of this or did any research into anything of this nature to even get an idea of what their characters should be acting like. Oh, cause there was uh, the, the one that bothered me the most watching the movie even now is the one FBI agent that was there when they found all the bodies in the backyard, the one that looks like Sarah Silverman. Like, she's just so unbelievable as this FBI agent. Mm-hmm. She's like, yeah, found a body there and a body there. Uh, we found a body yeah. of a baby. Like, you know, I was like, oh, she's just not. There was one, like, right over it. there, and then it was, like, over there, and then you wouldn't believe it, but the, the guy over there, he came over, and he told me, yeah, told me to bend over and grab my ankles, and he would lick my ass. <laughs> It was like the one moment yeah. in the movie where I'm like, all right, she's not doing very well. I hope she doesn't show up again. And she does a couple times, but not completely. Um, they have uh, an Asian coroner that shows up towards the end of the movie. I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> you know, you're what, putting him in here. and Wow. <laughs> like, it's hard to watch. It's problem with know, Asians, like, man. But just the way that he just deadpanned to the camera talking about, like, you know, how uh, the guy set up another guy. And he's like, and obviously we were wrong. And I'm like, well, he just, the way that his performance was, was like, he's just not selling it. Just seems like he's reading lines off a cue card from behind the camera. You know, it didn't come off as, you know, genuine. Oh, because it was. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, Is but we do get getting, see, like, their rectum yeah. cleaned out or something, man? Yeah, I don't know what that is. I hear it, too. What's that? It might be me. Like, I just got out of my car, and I'm, like, running around the house doing things. Okay. All right. Okay. So that's what yeah, is. so that, that's what it sounds like. Okay. Good, good but, to know. I mean, whether or not it's a good movie, what I do like, and I don't know, Ghoul, if you liked it or not, but I do like the fact that the killer brings Cheryl into his home, into the basement, and then breaks her down into an almost Stockholm Syndrome kind of thing where he's tortured her so much where she's basically subservient to whatever he wants. And I liked the performance. I thought it, I bought it. Just how hard he goes at her, dipping her head in the water in the sink, telling her that, you know, your parents are dead. I'm your master now. Tell me I'm your master. Submit to me. It works. I just, I bought it. Tell me that you're happy that I killed them. You know, who did I kill? Those people. 
You know, because you don't have parents. Why? Because you're nobody. You're a slave. Yeah, no, yeah. I enjoyed it. You know, don't hear you listen to me. You know, it, yeah, I enjoyed and it I probably the, for all the wrong reasons. And the killer going to her house when uh, her mother, Victoria, is standing outside post the interview. And he's like, hey, anything I can do, you just let me know. You know, I'm here for you. And she said, hey, wait a second. And he's like, <laughs> just laughs at her and walks away. I was like, dude, where is everybody? Like, there's no cops around? Like, she can't yell to somebody and say, that guy, I think he took my daughter? Like, it was, it's a good sequence, but again, I just was like, what, what, you know, she's by herself? Like, they didn't give a sense well, like of she, anybody being around. Well, like she told us, you know, it was at that moment she realized that it was him. But she just, she was afraid and she couldn't do anything about it. Yeah, I mean, it would have been better if there was nobody around. You know, if he had just walked up to her house one day and said, I'm, I'm going to help you and anything I can do. But no, when he walks away and he, I mean, I just, I like the fact that he just gave a laugh and then kind of walked away. Um, you know, just, it, I don't know, following that interview, you would think that there would be other people around that she could just be like, that guy took my daughter. You need to go follow that guy. I w- well, I, see, I, I actually wish that, you know, that it was a case in which she didn't think anything suspicious of this guy. Right. She didn't mm-hmm. think anything of it. And then, you know, because it's in, you know, hindsight, after seeing these tapes, you know, and after finding out that, you know what, she finds out that, oh, my God, you know, at one point this guy actually came up to me and tries to, rec- you know, obviously I would think it's easy to recall a specific guy walking up to your front door who's not media, who's holding a camera at that point. You know, so at that point you say, you know, wow, I didn't think, you know, why couldn't I have thought at that time that that could be the fucking guy that had my kid? Um, like, I think that would have been a more believable way to play it than, than what we get, which is, you know, fucking, hey, wait a minute. Hold on. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Wait, wait, what? <laughs> I know. Yeah, the little laugh he gives as he walks away. He's like, wait, wait. Like, yeah, I was like, you know, it, it was, it was it's a good gift. But when you think about it, it's, it's kind of dumb. BFFs is offering yep. me 60% off to come back to their porn site, and I'm saying no. Yeah, mm-hmm. I would say. Um, but then you go further with uh, Cheryl, where she's now being forced to wear this mask, uh, very life-life mask, and then this kind of weird Swiss Miss kind of uh, costume for some reason that he picked out for her to wear. Um, I really did like the sequence where he invites the hooker down into the basement and chains her up, and she's like, somebody's got to help me. And he's, she's like, no, 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 you're not getting out. Like, just shut up. Like, <laughs> You know, no, it, it, it's going to be fine, but you just need to stop talking. And this is where you get the first shot of her killing for him because he puts that knife in her hand and says, do it. You know, take this hooker out, and that's it. And she's completely subservient and just cuts the woman's throat and, you know, is, just, is uh, frightened by it but at the same time. Like, you know, she just did it. You know, it wasn't like she begged and said no. She just did it. She's a good little slave. Yeah, at that point, she's killed, completely, I think, killed in the line hooker. with the killer. Doesn't care. Like, you know, it's just she's never getting out, so she might as well just accept her fate and just go along with whatever he has to say. You know, he's giving her water. He's giving her whatever she needs. But, you know, now she's completely under his thumb. You know, she's completely lost any sense of herself. 
No, of mm-hmm. course. I mean, that's that's part of the whole entire thing. That's part of the conditioning of it, you know. I mean, we've, you know, unfortunately, we've seen this in real life in a couple of cases over the last yeah. uh, decade yep. or so, you know. So it's uh, it's a scary thing to think that, you know. So in uh, obviously. It's survival mechanic in which, you know, your brain doing whatever it needs to do to survive does exactly what it is that these killers or these these people want you to do. You know, it's not necessarily a killer, but just somebody who wants to to keep and and dominate you in that way. Well, and it was also um, Mike Mokes, who's a retired FBI agent in the movie, and he's teaching the class. He talks about how he interviewed uh, Ted Bundy. You know, when he was investigating a murder and Ted Bundy was asking him if he fucked the body yet, you know, after it's been killed. I just, I mean, Ted Bundy is always a serial killer that I've always been obsessed with. So whenever, you know, he shows up in a movie, I'm like, I just, I don't understand him. And I've always wanted to, you know. So imagine a real FBI agent talking to Ted Bundy and trying to get real information out of him and trying to understand him himself. I thought it was kind of cool to see the movie. What'd you say, Doc? I mean, again. I said, I said, hello, Clarice. Hello, Clarice. <laughs> no, it's, it's, it's funny. Get him crying. You know, it was a, a monster. Oh. Oh. But, okay, uh, you know, obviously, uh, yeah. like, you know, if, if you've read any of the, the Douglas books or anything like that. Oh, yeah, I have. You know, I have. They've spoken to plenty of serial killers just to get an idea of what it is that another serial killer might be thinking or, you know, why they might be doing something that they're doing. And I mean, you know, I, I know they give us that little infographic at the uh, earlier portion of the film in which, you know, people only know the big ones, but what they don't realize is there could be anywhere from 25 to 50 operating within the United States at any given time. Which I actually, I have to comment on that because I actually, after I watched the movie, I went on to do the Google and I actually searched it, and I searched how many serial killers are active in the United States as of 2019. I couldn't find anything for this year. I can only find as far back as 2017 where the FBI stated that there's anywhere between 3,000 to 4,000 serial killers operating at any given time in the United States in this country. 3,000 to 4,000? Yeah, three to 4,000 at any given time. And I honestly I believe it. I think that's a loose basis of definition based on like literal numbers and you know stuff well, like that. Well, when you think I about mean, the, it, the last one that I yeah. can think of as a as a serial killer, the last one that I remember in my head, um, and as far as I know, was unsolved. Actually, I can remember two. Uh, they actually might even be the same one. No, I don't think they are though. I think they might have caught the one. There was whoever okay. that person was that was dumping bodies on a beach, and they were facing the heads in a specific location. They found some never bodies found in Long Island, and they found some bodies in Atlantic City. Um, never found that's that. That's like the last thing that I remember. They did. They never found that guy. Okay. No, that's the one that another thing that happened. That was another one that I know that happened in Long Island, and I forget exactly what the details of that one were, but for some reason I think I remember them finding him. turned out to be, like, a guy that, like, lived in, like, the area of the beach where the body was found, and they found, like, two or three You're others, right. but I don't think it was connected to the one with the head being turned. Yeah, there was one. Um, I can't remember the name off the top of my head. I'll have to actually Google it later, but uh, what you were talking about with the head being turned, they actually found all those bodies on the Long Island Expressway. That's a serial mm-hmm. killer that they call Whisk, and they don't think it's one person. They think it's multiple people, 
and they think it's actually over the road truck drivers that are doing it, not just one person. And it would make sense. You're a long, you're an over the road truck driver. I mean, what better way if you're going to kill people than to have that profession? Because you could just dump bodies wherever you want, and nobody's going to be able to attach it to you. So that's why I always say that these over the road truck drivers, you know, need to be investigated in terms of whisk, in terms of these found bodies on the interstates. Because that's the obvious kind of job that you would want if you're going to be a killer. Because you, well, you need dump to dump as free as you want. You need to be somebody that we'll see. And again, though, I think that you know the whole truck driver thing, I think is a bit of a is a is a rough way to go with it because a lot of these okay. trucks, you know, I mean, if they're if they're personally owned and whatnot, you got to remember that their cargo is likely being tracked. So you have kind of a footprint for that particular thing. But I do definitely you know, support the idea that of whatever job would be most beneficial to it is, is something that's going to have you traveling. You know, if you've got a built-in excuse as to why you're going to be all over the place, well, then you can easily get away with certain things like that as long as you work on your disposal skills and you're picking and choosing who your targets are going to be. But they got to be quick. they got to be random. Well, and, and there was a killer um, a couple of years ago. I don't know if you know the name. Uh, Keith Wayne Jefferson, he was the smiley face killer because wherever he killed somebody, he would leave a smiley face behind. And he was an over-the-road truck driver with a family, and he would start leaving letters to the police in different areas where he went saying, you're never going to catch under the me. road truck drivers? Over the road. What's an over-the-road? Meaning that they're not home for any periods of time. They're just driving from state to state, dropping off cargo. But Keith Wayne Jefferson was That's actually a, caught isn't that because of a truck driver? Yeah, but he was one of the very few uh, truck drivers that was actually caught. Uh, there's a great series, if you guys ever want to check out, called The Killing Season that was on A&E um, that focuses on Whisk, the Long Island serial killer, and how killers are active, you know, right now that have not been caught yet, you know, because they are just dropping bodies wherever they can. Not the, the police. Okay, it's the happy face killer, not the smiling happy face, face killer. killer. That's two different things. The smiley face. The smiley face was the the entire another fucking thing. Yeah, it's uh, actually a theoretical thing. Uh, They're not sure. They think it could be a gang thing. There's a a number of different theories behind that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I I mix those two up all the time because they both have to do with smiley faces. So I get those two confused all the time. But you know, it's it's one of those things where I could believe it that that people could be active. You know, in the United States at any given time. So 3,000 to 4,000, you know, I could put some thought in that. Because if you're in the right place at the right time, you know, and you're, you're doing what you have to do, you know, you're not being prolific, you know. And even with all the technology that they have, you know, if, if you're smart about it, you could probably get away with it. And it's a scary thought to think about. For a while, at least, you know. I mean, you know, this guy that you're talking about in general, you know, he's, he's – Claiming that he's killed as many as 185 people, but you know, out of all of that, only eight of them have been confirmed. You know, what really sucks for this fucking, you know, obviously not for this dude, but what really sucks is this guy again, like, like a almost like a Bundy situation, except he's got kids. You know, he was married and three fucking children, man. Yeah, yeah, that's a bummer. What about Dennis Rader? So bad. Yeah, kids too. No, yeah, that's you know. BTK was a whole other fucking story, man. That dude was a fucking psycho. Oh, Which person is a psycho? Dennis Rader. Dennis Rader. 
Which one is he? Bind, torture, kill. BTK. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he had kids too. He had a family. You know, but he just couldn't. You know, he he he, he took a break too for a long time before he resumed his killings. Yeah, I mean, it was like decades long before he resumed. But you know, as always, as killers do, he slipped up. You know, and started using the wrong computer in his hometown, and that's how he got caught. Like David Berkowitz getting caught over a traffic ticket. (laughs) You know, these killers eventually slip up. Yeah, cool. Except um, if you're fucking, if you're if you're this guy, <laughs> the Poughkeepsie well, killer. Yeah, well, the Poughkeepsie killer is interesting because they they eventually talk about James Foley, who was an ex-cop uh, that was convicted of the killings of the Poughkeepsie killer because they found his saliva on a glass of a victim in an apartment and they matched semen samples and they put him on trial and they convicted him. They put him to death. And they thought everything's wrapped up. You know, James Foley, that's our guy. He's the one that killed everybody. Let's just put this thing to bed. But it's not it because the killer is still out there, and he put a letter out to Foley's ex-partner saying he missed one. And he gave a map of where to find the other victim that was left behind by the Poughkeepsie killer. Or we should say the Water Street Butcher. Because that's what they call him in the movie, the Water Street Butcher, not the Poughkeepsie Killer, but the Water Street Butcher. Which, again, he, he gets called the Water Street Butcher after he changes his M.O. and starts killing hookers. But he was doing that yeah. just to throw everybody off of his trail anyway, because, you know, we know that he likes to kill kids. We know that he likes to capture women, you know, and he also killed that couple at this point. What were you going to say, Doc? You were about to, to ask me something? Yeah, you were, yeah you, were telling, you were telling about the BT, BTK. Uh, and and this hopefully this rings bells to you. Do you remember uh, a million King. years ago? What's that? Burger the King. Sorry, uh, just you be, had um, you had um, from I don't know what Jersey Central Heating and Air. Like you had some client that gave you like a a brown uh, like grocery bag or two full of true crime books. Do you remember this? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, I think I still have a, a whole shitload of those on top of all the ones yeah, I've collected and, over the years. And uh, one of the books in those bags was about that killer before they knew who that killer – the killer hadn't been like, found yet. Mm-hmm. And um, I just remember reading – like I took that one and like, I that one for you know, no in particular reason. Uh, I don't know if it was BTK. I think the one that you might actually be thinking about was the Green River Killer. Oh, you're right. right. Anyway, now that you say it, you are right. You know, just there was that was that was a book that uh, I remember reading it too. You know, because of course when you're in the middle of reading those, especially when they haven't caught the person, you have like you know a thousand fucking theories. So you know, I'm <laughs> like when I'm in, when I'm knee deep in those, when I go through those those fucking methods, dude, I'm like, yeah, you know what? Get me my fucking shit. Get me a fucking plane ticket. I'm going to fly out to wherever these fuckers are. I'm going to catch this motherfucker. You know? I'm going to solve it, motherfuckers. I put my crime hat on. Ghoul's on the case. <laughs> yeah. Yo, bitches have been doing this for 20 years. I'm going to solve it in 20 minutes. <laughs> yep. Connected the dots. Here he is, guys. That's your killer. Oh, shit. It only took him 20 minutes. I'm a horror podcaster, motherfuckers. <laughs> Damn straight. Morgan <laughs> fucking Freeman, baby. 
Um, and I don't know what book that was on Gary Ridgway, but the best one that I ever read was Blood, uh, Blood Red, uh, Running Red, or Green River Running Red by uh, Anne Rule, which is all about the Gary Ridgway killings, um, where they talked about how they interviewed Ted Bundy about Gary Ridgway. And he was like, oh, yeah, you know, it's the fucking guy, and he's probably got a family, and you're going to find him. And they're like, yeah, whatever, Ted. Have fun on death row. <laughs> and they're like, yeah, he was actually kind of right. <laughs> you know, he was kind of right with his clues. We just didn't believe him. Yeah, no, um, I, uh, again, like, I forget what book it was. It's in the other room. I can't even, uh, I don't feel like digging through there right now. So. Yeah, but like I said, that was the one I read that I wrote, like, by Ann Rule, uh, who also wrote The Stranger Beside Me, all about Ted Bundy, because she did work with Ted Bundy on the Suicide Hotline in Seattle back in the early 70s before he started dropping bodies. Um, but in the movie, we have James Fuller the floor. <laughs> and then you have uh, fake Tim Burton playing his son, Hank. <laughs> I just I could not get over the fact. I'm like, is that Tim Burton? I was like, no, no, it's an actor. And I was like, but he just bears a striking resemblance to Tim Burton. He was like, my own oh, friend thought it was a monster. Dave, they had to give you the whole, uh, the whole... 100% stereotypical, this is what the child of somebody whose parent did some major issue, this is oh, your yeah. emo guy liner. Black eye liner, black hair. You know, I'm completely disassociated with society, man, because society fucked me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but what I found so, like, to me, it was so good, and I kind of was like, wow, this is fucking great is the fact that they exonerated James Foley post his execution on death row on fucking 9-11. <laughs> so when the newspaper came out the next day, you get this little paragraph saying, yeah, James Foley, yeah, we were wrong. You know, he didn't do it. On page six. So yeah, 9-11. Well, so like, you he know, got the nothing. Eight. You got to throw that in there, of course. I mean, again, this is what, a 2007 movie, 9-11 is fresh in everybody's minds. I um, liked it, though. It kind of made me laugh because you think that would happen, you know? I'm sure like, there were plenty of news stories that, that were going on throughout the world that none of us know about because we were kind of preoccupied at that time. Of course, you know, and nobody gave a shit about James Foley. They just cared about 9-11, which of course he would. You know, you're not going to care about a little guy, you know, from Poughkeepsie that got uh, exonerated um, from all that. Um, but uh, it looks like uh, the doc dropped. So I guess he's out. Yeah, he, he, was he messaged. He had to go. Okay. Anyway, uh, what did you think about the scene with the two Girl Scouts? Because I thought that was like a standout scene because it had a lot of good tension for me. It had a lot of good, like, is he going to kill these girls? Is he going to abduct them? It looked like he was going to. But to me, it worked because it was a disgusting yeah. scene. I was like, don't, don't hurt these girls. It was one of those where, you know, you didn't know where they were going to go with it. I mean, we obviously saw him kill a girl earlier, so we know that he's capable of doing it. You know, you, you watch him go through the feeling out process of asking them, you know, like, do your parents know where you are? Do they know your route? So, you know, watching as he's, he's kind of going through it, I felt like this was going to be the slip-up that would ultimately spell his doom. 
You know, what I didn't like, though, is that, you know, the, the girls hear the banging, they hear the noise, and, you know, he's talking about the raccoon. I mean, for one thing, the girls' performances were terrible. Um, I mean, right. look, I, yep. I get it. They're, they're kids. They're not they're supposed bad. to really be actors, but they they are actors, and they're not doing good. Um, no. Whatever, you're kids, you know, I, I get it. So don't pick on me, anybody, about that. I'm not making fun of them because they're child actors. I'm just saying that they weren't very good at being child actors. No, I'm backing you on that. So, <laughs> well, I know there was a whole big thing about the kid from uh, the Endgame movie, you know, where something happened or another, and like she ended up having to do a whole Twitter thing where she's like, listen, people, what? I'm seven, you know. So, like, please. Who in Endgame? <laughs> Cut me uh, the one that played uh, Morgan Stark, you know, Tony's daughter. Um, really? She was great. Yeah, I guess I I think some people gave her shit and they got up on Twitter about it. And, you know, you know how fucking society is and assholes, dude, and trolls and shit like that. So they did or said whatever they said. And then the, the poor kid had to come back with like, you know, like, look, I'm fucking seven. <laughs> seven. Stop. <laughs> I love you 3000, you know, actress that played Morgan Stark. That's all I got to say. Absolutely. <laughs> you know, you I just amazing. felt like, you know, like this scene didn't need to just be him letting them go. I almost wish that maybe like the mom came or something, you know, there was something else as a catalyst as opposed to him letting them go, knowing what they knew, you know, and maybe at that point you get a little bit of a suspicion thing going on to where now we know that the killer is like, Hey, it's time for me to move on. You would think so. Especially because when he, you know he lets them go, then he rips open the uh, the tablecloth. Then Cheryl's underneath the tablecloth uh, on her good little table. mirror. Was it a table? Like that's what I thought it was. I thought she was underneath like a, a weird kind of table. But I guess it was oh just no her, no you know, her body. That's what she was. No, she was absolutely. The, the idea is that she is to him. She is as disposable as a piece of furniture. She and it works. is yeah. nothing. She is not human. Um, yeah, because it led to her, like, holding that mirror up to her face. Like, she's forced to look at that mask. Like, he still wants her to look at that face like it's blank. Like, you're not Cheryl anymore. You're nothing. Like you had said, she's nothing. You know, she's just a blank slate. You know, she's just a slave. Um, again, I really like the next sequence of the tape where they cut to the British woman uh, calling for help because he's driving a police car. And he's saying, yeah, you know what? Get in. You know, uh, there's a gas station up ahead. I can help you out. There's a lot of shit on the front seat, so you can get into the back seat, though. And she's like, oh, I've never been in the back of a police car before. And he's like, oh, it's fine. So, uh, you know, yeah, we'll get you where you need to get to. And he's kind of talking to her, but I love the fact of how quickly it kind of changes to, hey, let me ask you a question. Uh, why did you call me officer? She's like, oh, yeah, you're driving a cop car. Like, you know, that's what you – he's like, I never said I was a cop. She's like, well, <laughs> what are you then? He's like, I'm a butcher. I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> you know, I was like, I love that scene. Like, just how deadpan he is and then the slow panic that comes across her face. Probably like, the best uh, scene of the movie. Yeah, easily the best tape, the best, you know, of the movie. Um when they cut to her being locked in the basement, tied up, and she's got the packing tape over her mouth. And then all of a sudden, in the back of the frame, you see the killer walking in, like, exorcist style, like a contortionist. Like, what the fuck is going on right now? Like, Yeah, uh, it was, I mean, he was walking on, 
it, it was weird. Yeah, I mean, he's obviously flexible. He wasn't mm-hmm. crab walking a la uh, Bray Wyatt, which is what it kind of no, looked no. like because he, he just had the mask on the top of his head. That's all. He had a secondary mask on. But, yeah, ultimately the guy, I, I, he had his, like, hands flat down and his fucking feet flat down and straight. It was It was kind of bizarre looking. It was. Yeah, it was. Because, like I said, I, I say exorcist style, but it's not the Bray Wyatt style. You know, just the way that he walked in, though, and it's not like it's a slow pan or slow motion. He's actually walking the way that he does. And like you said, he's wearing two masks. He's wearing the one mask, and then he comes up with the weird kind of uh, clown mask they talked about, the weird beak. That I think they said it was Dr. Death or something like that from the, the weird kind of 1700s or something like that that he wears. Mm. I didn't like the mask. Didn't care for it. I thought it was stupid. That was the one thing that took me out was the fact that he was wearing this weird kind of theatrical mask and you know the frills and everything like that. I didn't think that he needed to have that, but they used it for the movie. But it just worked because when he gets up next to her and she's breathing through the tape, he has two needles wrapped around his fingers, and then he just puts it in her neck. And I don't know how they did it. I was impressed. Because I don't know how they got that effect to make it look so good. Hmm. I don't know. I would think it was just normal. You know, or you, uh, you kind of just make it look like you're inserting them and then you're pumping blood from, you know, a tube or something coming up on the side of the hand. Yeah, usually I can tell. Like, usually I'm like, all right, that's how they did it. But it just looked like he inserted them into her neck. Like, that's why I said I just, I, I just, was kind of uh, kind of impressed by how they handled it because usually, like you had said, you can tell, you know, just press it into the side of her neck and then you have the blood pump, but it looked like he actually put those things in her neck and it caused her to bleed out and she's coughing up blood into the plastic tape. And I love the fact that they used the clear tape so you can actually mm. see the blood coming out of her mouth as she's dying rather than use black tape or electrical tape. Yeah, well, I mean, again, though, too, because, I mean, what was cool is that obviously the tape wasn't, like, fully sealing off, which is why the blood can come up and through that. Otherwise, it would have just been coming out of her nose. Um, Yeah, it was enjoyable, but I think also the thing you got to remember, too, which would lend towards making it easier to hide it, would be uh, the fact that we're watching all of this through, like, real grainy, crappy footage, you know? So those little jumps and those little cuts that normally – you know, if you were watching a standard film, you'd be like, all right, that was an edit right there. You know, in this case here, you don't look at it as that. You look at it as, you know, oh, it's just part of his shitty, you know, his shitty camera. Yeah. Yeah. And, it, and it, like I said, it maybe won that credence, but I definitely liked it. Um, did you like the fact of how they found the killer, how they found his house? Because I felt like it was kind of rushed. Like, like oh, it's well, the map. That's the coordinates. <laughs> you know, let's go. Well, they backtracked it. That's yeah. how it's done, though. That's how police work is done. That's how they figure it out sometimes. But, I mean, what you got to realize and what, you know, ultimately they realize, he's done this. He led them mm-hmm. there. Yep. He has set all of this up. They're only finding the house at this particular moment because he wanted them to. So, you know, it's just another case in which he is smarter than all of them and has, you know, he's obviously got it, you know, down to a T. You know, he's, uh, yeah. Yeah, I guess, yeah. I guess what, Zodiac at this point would be I the would only guy so. that we could say. 
Is that yeah. that level? I would think so by the way that it was treated because, I'm, again, we talked about some bad acting. The SWAT team guy at the end of the movie, Elliot, <laughs> over the fucking top. <laughs> you so know, good. The, yeah, man. When he man, gun blazing, did what we had to do. Like, just the way he handled himself. I'm like, all right, this guy is fucking acting. You know, this thing. Well, like you know, I said, the, sometimes I wondered, like, you know, like, was he going for comedy? Yeah, I don't know. And that's, like you said, you brought that up, and now I'm kind of wondering if he was going for that over the top comedy. Like, this is what a uh, SWAT team guy would be like. You know, all balls and all muscle, and we're going in there, guns blazing. We're going to get this motherfucker. Um, exactly. But you know, it's a commentary a on that particular type of of person. You know, we they they are out there. You know, I've unfortunately had plenty of dealings with them. <laughs> yeah. No, I I've known my fair share of muscle guys too, where they're exactly like that. Um, but they do break into the house, they breach it, and they go in, and there's nobody there except this box. And when they open the box, it's Cheryl Dempsey wearing that same milkmaid Christmas outfit, wearing the mask, and they save her. After eight years, she's saved. Like they, they broke her out. Um, I love the way how they handle Cheryl um, post being saved because she's not in this situation where she's like, I, I, I survived. I'm a survivor. You know, I, I beat the odds, and the killer didn't get me. She is in the camp of, I love him. He is my master. And I don't know what to do without him. And it's a bad effect. And I don't know if you caught it because I did the the missing hand. Because you could tell yeah. that's a clear kind of uh, green screen effect that didn't work. No, I uh, yeah, no, I definitely saw that, and you know what, it was you know what, it, it maybe it wasn't the greatest of effect, but for what it was trying to convey and show us how far he went with her and what he did with her, and you know how he took her to those levels, yeah, it did. So I thought that was fairly effective. Yeah, the, no, the 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 way that she acted was fine. Like I actually, you know, again. I liked this actress in the character of Cheryl Dempsey. She was believable. You know, when she's asking the documentary filmmakers, well, what do you want me to say? Like, I, I don't know what you're asking me. Tell me what to say. And they're asking her questions like, well, what do you feel now that you're free? And she's like, I, tell me what to say. Because she's so conditioned uh-huh. by the killer to be told what to think, how to feel, how to act. So she doesn't really know how to live in a normal life now because she's been so affected um, and to love her killer, you know, to love her abductor, you know, and that, well, that's the thing life. too, you know, you got to look at it that way and you got to also look at it and realize that, you know, since she's come out and she's, you know, yeah. got, she got found, she's, I'm sure has dealt with plenty of media and I'm sure yeah. anytime she's ever said anything, you know, about this person caring about her or the fact that this person loves her, I'm sure she's met with the, uh, what are you crazy? You know, you don't say that. That's, you know, that's ridiculous. If this person cared about you, they would have never did what they did to you. And, you know, again, after that many years and that much conditioning and going through that kind of shit, I'm sure, you know, anything this person told you at that point, you're going to fucking believe. 
Yeah, and it's just the fact that she, like I said, she does that in an interview where she says, you know, just tell me what you want me to say. And then they did the freeze shot on her face. And then the text happened where she killed herself two weeks after the interview. And she's Jesus. done. Um, and it cuts to the opening of the movie where you have the pickup truck and the person in the cemetery dragging out the body. So it kind of comes full circle where you find out mm-hmm. that that body that was dragged out is Cheryl's body from her grave. And in the grave is a tape that was left behind. So this killer is still out there. And now the FBI is hoping that the killer is going to be so selfish, he's going to want to go watch this documentary himself. He can't help himself. He's going to go watch it. I don't think so. I don't think he's going to be coming to see this documentary. I think he's going to know exactly where he wants to be. Well, I mean, obviously he's going to be banging the body of Cheryl somewhere. Um but that, that being said and done, no, I think that, you know what, again, if the movie gets mass release and all of that, it's not like they're going to know who the fuck he is. He can obviously be yeah. anyone, anybody, you know, so any theater, anywhere, any one person. And this is a guy that's smart enough to where he's not going to be, you know, over the top. It ain't like he's going to show, well, I mean, you know what? The reality is this. He could show up in costume. Chances are, as we see with these kind of things, I'm sure other people are going to show up in fucking costume too. Because that's just how we are as a society. We take these things and we turn them into things that we become fans of, you know? I mean, they, uh, you know, look, an example of it from the 90s is if you look at natural born killers, you know, which shows how a oh media God, sensation can take, you know, two people that are complete and utter psychopaths and murderers and turn them into national heroes, international heroes. I mean, you know, Japan liked them, too. Well, look at um, Manson. Look at the Firefly family from Three from Hell. You saw it. So this is true. There is a fan. Wore my 31 shirt. There, like but that, there is man. a fan like for killers. watch it. Um, I, you know, uh, I realized, uh, that me and the ghoul girl, you know, we definitely have a very warped sensibility and, you know, I would have assumed that other people going to see the movie would have said same warpedness, you know, you're never seeing three from hell. (laughs) And, you know, there are just certain sequences that go on in that movie that, you know, the two of us are just blurred out laughing and there was just silence. You know, and then there were other times where, you know, people were finding other things funny. And, like, the two of us were like, well, that's actually kind of not funny, you know. Not like it was violent or anything like that. It was just kind of like, yeah, you know. But some of the over-the-top stuff that, yeah, you would think that, you know, being a horror fan, you'd be like, yeah, this is exactly what I'm here to see. Was just kind of met with, like, eh, uh-oh. That's bad. That's terrible. Well, it's, yeah, well, it's like Devil's Rejects. When Otis is with Banjo and Sullivan, and he assaults the one woman who's the wife, I think, of Banjo, and he's sticking his gun down in her panties, mm-hmm. and he's sticking her, giving him a blowjob. Later in the movie, when he's walking to their death, she's like, huh, man, your wife got her pussy stink all over my gun. I was fucking just like you're laughing. <laughs> <laughs> you know? And again, like you had said, the audience is silent going, oh, my God. And I'm like, oh, my God, Yeah. Because <laughs> I'm a horror fan, I get it. It's fucking hilarious. It's not serious. Like you know, it's funny. 
You know, I'm Willy Wagga, and this is my fucking chocolate factory. <laughs> you can say that all you want, that you're a horror fan. The real, the reality is, is we're just a bunch of disturbed motherfuckers, man. And you know what? Yeah. Anybody else that's out there with us, if you're just as disturbed, we love you. Every single one of you motherfuckers that loves horror movies and is just as fucked up as we are, we love you, and we love the fact that you listen. Um, but the pickup state drops up. Uh, did you watch the post-credit sequence that they had in the movie, or did you just shut it off after the credits? Uh, I don't remember. What, what was the post-credit sequence? There is a, a video that they show at the end of a woman with a ball gag in her mouth and tape wrapped around her mouth, and the killer says, I will let you live if you don't blink. Yes, so she's yes, breathing and that. breathing and breathing and crying. So you saw that or you didn't? Yes, I did. Yes, and then it cuts right before she blinks. I thought of it. So it, it's a cool kind of capper to that. Um, but, yeah, that is Pickup's Tapes, you know, in a nutshell. I like it. I think it's one of those movies where, you know, if you want to see something different, you know, a fake documentary about a serial killer, definitely check it out. Uh, Natural Born Killers, like the ghoul had said, I fucking love that movie. So definitely recommend that movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, anybody wants to see a, a serial killer couple and the polarization of violence that uh, generally Curtis wants to talk about in Halloween. Uh, but since the monkey is not here, cool, the pick goes to you. So what do you have for us? Indeed. Indeed. Uh, you know what, man? I'm going to kind of uh, – ooh, 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 it's a toss-up. It really is. You know, no, no, I'm, I'm going to give you a movie. I'm going to give you a movie. Okay. I'm, I'm torn, though. I don't know if I want to do something from 2018 or if I want to go to, to something a little bit little bit older than that, and I don't mean anything major as far as age goes. You know what? It'll probably be easier for you guys to find this one. We're going to stay with Mongoloids. We're going to stay with stuff that we kind of got in The Hills Have Eyes, except we're going to take it to the forest. Uh, You're going to take a road trip, and sometimes, you know, the GPS doesn't work, and you make a wrong turn. So we're going to do 2003's Wrong Turn, starring your life next week. Love it. Oh, man, yeah. God, I love that fucking movie. A lot of gush who was looking so good. Jeremy Sisto, um, uh, Desmond Harrington from Dexter in that movie. Dexter. The ghoul girl just finished it. She just finished the series, so. And she hated the ending. Tell me she doesn't like Lumberjack Dexter. She hated the ending just like most of us did. (laughs) Love it. All right, yeah, we'll definitely have to have a conversation, me and the ghoul girl, about Dexter because, yeah, fuck Lumberjack Dexter. So, yeah, next week, guys, uh, we are going back into the woods to talk about the Mongoloids with Wrong Turn. Uh, Go on and hit us with a plug as it close out tonight. All right, like we've brought, we've brought her up plenty of times, man. The cool girl. Go to Bonfire Beat Designs on Etsy. One word. All kinds of handcrafted jewelry, gemstones, all kinds of funky stuff, rings, necklaces, bracelets. You name it, it's on there. Get it for your significant other, whether it's a guy, whether it's a girl, whether it's a trans, whether uh, – don't give it to an animal. Animals like to chew shit, and we don't want to fucking be uh, at large for that. But if, if you're a girl identifying as a guy that likes guys, which I would think would just be a girl, but who am I to judge these days? People are strange and wonderful. So just go to Bonfire. People are strange. Oh, all one word on Etsy. And buy. Hurry up and buy. I feel sorry for your Buy, buy. You buy now. You buy now. Buy, buy, buy. <laughs> All right. The one you hit us with that catchphrase as we close out. Peace.
scared, everybody. Stay scared. And fucking A, Rambo right. tomorrow. Hell yeah, Rambo. Last blood. All right, until next week, meet next week, where we talk about the ghoul's pick of Wrong Turn. I'm your old pal, the King of Horror, Andy G, saying thank you so much for listening to the episode. We always love the people that contribute to our page, just like Horror and Sons, Dustin Fallon. And as always, the lovely, the beautiful, darling Nikki, thank you so much for your commentary during every episode. And also give me some picks I need to think about for some future episodes. Appreciate it. And we'll see you guys here at the ranch next week. Stay scared, like the glow always says. Stay scared.